Hi, everyone. You're listening to Golden's Guide to Divorce, and I'm Deborah Hawkins, your host. We're here in the fabulous Pronk Studios where we chat about all things mature women want or maybe need to know about divorce, including finding and receiving support, hearing from experts, tips on how to develop your personal toolbox, and ways to move you forward to your best life. So join us now for the Golden's Guide to Divorce with me, Deborah Hawkins. I'm here, everyone and welcome to another episode of Golden's Guide to Divorce. I'm really happy to be here in Pronk Studios. I love my producers. They're so good to me and they make things so easy. And we've got a really great guest today. Her name is Andrea Hips. She is a licensed social worker and certified divorce coach. Um, she helps people um, all through divorce, all along the continuum of divorce. She helps them um, resolve their divorce issues, the debris that's left behind, the parenting issues. Um, she, you know, really is just a marvel at, at all aspects of divorce. She's also the author of a brand new book, which I read and I can't wait for her to talk about it. Um, it's already an international bestseller and Get the title. I love this title so much. The Best Worst Time of Your Life. <laughs> Four Practices to Get You Through the Pain of Divorce. Isn't that great? Um, she's been featured on NBC, ABC, Fox, CW Networks. Um, she is on podcasts all the time. She's such a supporter of women. And I know in her past life, and maybe she still does, um, she really worked a lot with um, uh, providing uh, housing for uh, lower income. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, that's something I'd love to talk to her about, too. Um, but anyway, um, welcome, welcome, Andrea. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you. It is a total pleasure to be here. I love it. Um, you know, there's there's so many places we could we could start. Um, your book is so chocked full. I had the most fun reading it. I can't wait for you know. I can't wait for everyone to get out there and and read it. Um, I want to read a quote though that really touched me, and I think it's probably okay. early on in the book, but it was like, oh my God, she's speaking right to me. And <laughs> you said, put my glasses on to say, <laughs> nothing helped me normalize the exhaustion, the worry, overwhelm, indigestion, lack of eating, overeating, hollowness, rage, shame, and numbness that can happen in the course of one day. And I mean, I think that just yes. wrapped it up for like the way we feel when we're going through a divorce. And, um, you know, I, I think I shared with you, I'm like six months into being separated, but, um, with a lot of my girlfriends and a lot of clients and people I talk to, I mean, that's some of that doesn't go away for quite some time. So um, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's very scary, right? Cause it feels like it's going to be here forever. Right. Exactly. So for you, um, what, uh, how long have you been divorced now? Um, it was about a decade ago that I got divorced actually. Yeah. Yeah. So how long do you think it was before you were kind of on the other side? I'm always asking everybody that question because I'm so in the middle of it, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's a very valid question. And I would say the, the general range that I offer to people is one to three years. 
and one year until certain things start to get more comfortable, but really three to five years until you really don't see yourself anymore as divorced, but see yourself as single or in some cases as a person who is in a new relationship, right? Because when we identify ourselves as divorced, we're connecting ourselves to what was instead of connecting ourselves to who we are now and what we want to welcome as we move forward. So it, and, and what you do with that time, in fact, is a really important thing that you're bringing up because time itself will not heal you. It's yeah. like saying, uh, I, my flat tire is going to get fixed if I just let some time go by, right? You need to do some work. You need to bring some people in to help you do that work. And when you put your time to good use, you will find that the time starts to help heal you. Yeah. I love that you say that because, you know, in all of the shows that I've done, you know, we're talking about doing the work, which is the self-work, you know, um, it's... You know, at some point you have to stop the blame and, you know, you have to stop pointing the finger. I mean, if you want a different life, you've really got to do something different. And sometimes that's the hardest thing. I mean, I mean do you find that in the, in the women that you work with? I mean, just doing yeah. something different? Yeah, because I, I think there's some part of us that wants to explain why this happened. And if we can just villainize or demonize our former partner enough to really settle in ourselves that they were in fact the problem, it seems like a worthwhile chase at the time that you're doing it. Like, I'm going to get to the end of this and it's going to be his or her fault. Mm -hmm. And the truth is when you get to the end of that, even if you can convince yourself that they are in fact at fault, it doesn't fix you. It right. doesn't fix your reality that you're still now going through a divorce that's likely unwanted. And so how you can, I always say the grace is to walk away from the why. And when you walk away from the why, you can also walk away from the blame and you can start walking into if maybe it shouldn't be this way, but if it had to be this way, here's how I would want it to look. Mm -hmm. That's when we start to get creative and imaginative about what our future might look like. And that's where some magic starts to happen in what we produce. I think what you just said about, you know, just moving away from the why, because it, that does keep you stuck, you know, or, I, or as I like to say, you know, still on the sofa, you know, and up and not moving and <laughs> yeah. not. Um, exactly. Um, you know, the, the great thing for me was that um, I was able to, this show came along just literally weeks after we separated. And um, I sometimes wonder if I really hadn't had this to work on and to focus on. And although some days, you know, I think in what, you know, sometimes I cry every episode still, but um, if, if I, if I hadn't really had this to focus on and, it kind of forces me to do the work. You know, um, I certainly understand why some people, it's hard to get up off the sofa. You know, it's hard to believe that things are going to be is. better. Oh, yeah. The the amount of, just that, that sentence you read out of the book, the amount of despair and the inability to see a future that's one that you want to be a part of and the depression and the wandering around in your head late at night and early in the morning is very real. And if your listeners are going through that right now, that's not something you can necessarily escape or skip over or wish away. The, the truth is the people who do best handling the pain of divorce are the ones who walk right through the middle of it. And I would venture to say this show is part of what is doing that for you is it keeps you looking at the pain. And that's yeah. the thing we most want to get away from, right? It's the thing we're like, no, nah, please, no pain. I don't want to do this. <laughs> and so when you can walk through it, you can actually befriend it and learn from it in ways that open up the new part of life for you. And and the, the hard part is really just getting the courage to be with the pain and know that if I align myself with it, something might happen that is positive. 
Right. Well, and I feel very fortunate that, you know, you're right. I do have to look at the pain all the time. <laughs> and but I feel very fortunate that I have experts on, um, you know, almost every week and like you. And, it, you know, it. I always go home with another piece of information or something else to do or another book to read. And, and speaking of books, let's talk about yours. Um you know, I know there's there's four major points in there. And um, before we get to that, though, there's one other thing I wanted to say that really attracted me to you when we had our first conversation about you coming on the show is that I know that you're a spiritual girl. And that, um, you know, I am, too. I mean, I certainly, you know, live by faith and uh, don't know what I do. Um, you know, without it. And I love that uh, that is sprinkled in the book and, you know, just reminding people. I always think about it like, you know, if sometimes I fall in the ditch and think, you know, God, I'm having to do all this by myself. But then if I can remember, no, I'm not, you know, I mean, I might be alone or, you know, there's no friends around or whatever, but, you know, the divine is with me and, there's a plan in here somewhere. <laughs> and um, <laughs> right. yeah, and and so I just wanted to, you know, say that 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 really did attract me to you. And I love the way that it's uh, it shows up in the book some as well. So um, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I do think people have to make sense of something outside of themselves when they're going through something as big as the pain of divorce. I think it's so destabilizing. You really do call into question, why am I here and what am I doing and who's responsible? Well, and I think you said in the book, um, isn't uh, divorce like second behind the like the worst thing as far as stress. The, I mean, the I know the number partner. one. Yeah the, death, mm-hmm. yeah, the death of a spouse or child is the number one most stressful thing that can happen in your life. Second in line is a divorce. And it is a version of a death because part of you is dying. And I'm sure you experience that on the regular as you're going through it in the initial stages of the process of just, uh, who am I? Where am I? Am I going to be okay? And as you shed really a lot of life that you knew to be true in a certain way, it's very, very uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's certainly, you know, I'm not even the same person I was six months ago. I can't imagine six months from now, you know. And so, yeah, you're letting go of sometimes your home and or your neighborhood and sometimes friends, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So it is it, it, it can be just a complete change and shock to the system on so many levels. Um, Absolutely. But getting back to the book, so what made you decide that you wanted to, this was the right time, or, you know, you said you've been divorced, you know, about a decade, so have you thought about it a long time, or? Yeah, you know, I actually started the book before even starting to coach other people about divorce coaching or about their divorces. And it started as an attempt to really understand what I just went through. And I'm sure you can resonate with that in your own situation. Like, what am I going through? And then years out looking back, going, what did I just go through? And I was really encouraged by a number of people in my community to document the ways that I grew and what it was that I learned that led me to this place now where I enjoy a beautiful two address home with my former partner, as well as my two kids. And so it it started as how did this start? It was just like sort of a anthropological in nature, just like documenting dates and times and structures. And then I got into the deeper questions of what did I learn? What is universal in what I learned? And how can I speak back into the group of women and men behind me who will also go through divorce? So it really started, I don't know, maybe five years ago, I started to think about it and put some of the structure together. Uh, But I really went after it just entirely uh, the period of last year. Mm-hmm. And it started to come together. Well, the writing is so good and it flows. I mean, ha- have you written before? 
Have you, I mean, were you, you know, I was told at one time that the best, uh, the best writers are readers and I am a voracious reader. I read all the time. I, when I was going through my divorce, I, I say in the book, there wasn't a, a book that I didn't read about pain and acceptance. I just, I went after everything because yeah. I am a real, uh, a person who really thirsts for knowledge and for understanding and under stress, I try to find answers. And so right. I think just reading great writing helps you to, to mm -hmm. write well, but thank you for that compliment. Well, I appreciate it. You're, well, you're welcome. So I know that, um, I know that there are four main points in the book. So um, let, let's go through those. So yes, this is the book here. The best oh, thank you. I'm sorry. Life. I don't have the book here, guys. I got it on Kindle. So I, I meant it. Yes. Love the title. Love that title. Thank you. And it is it is practices. And the reason I there are there are two types of divorce that you get. One is the logistical divorce, who gives who what and for how long who gets what. And the other is the emotional divorce. And I am far more interested in how people walk through divorce and walk through the recovery of their divorce in a way that is truly free at the end. And Same, we talk about, sister. You know, yes. Yes. You're speaking <laughs> my language. Yes. And so we all know people for whom their divorce became the defining event of their life in a way that you still are talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I did not want to be one of those people. I imagine you don't want to be one of those people that we actually move through divorce and we go through that change and we incorporate that transition into our life so that we can start moving into other things. So I call it practices because you have to practice it. It's not normal. What's normal is to get divorced, hate your former partner, get stuck and stay there. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. normal. And my deepest heart is to create a new normal where we level up the expectations of how people can grow and become and mature through this process. Nobody ever wants to get divorced. I'm not pro-divorce any more than a cancer doctor's pro-cancer. But right. if you have to go through divorce, I want you to do it in a way where your experience of life and your experience of love are far freer than they were even when you were married. I love that. And also, I love how at the end of each chapter, there are questions. I'm a big you know, uh, uh, proponent of questions, because I think, you know, a statement just doesn't go anywhere. But if you really ask yourself right. deep questions, who knows what you might find out, right? Exactly. And that's one of the ways that we approach the pain is that you're exactly right. There's three or four questions at the end of each chapter for your deepening is what I call them. Yes. So that you can take the information and start to hang it on your life, right? Because these are universal principles, but they're only going to make sense if you put pen to paper and start figuring it out for yourself. Right, right. So, um, so, uh, so what is the first uh, topic, really? The, the first practice is to rise above, also known as stay classy. <laughs> and that one is a, a tricky one because, you know, people really, people, especially who are married and not, and haven't gone through a divorce, really encourage other people to take the high road as if it is a choice that you make and it's an easy one to make. I think most people going through divorce want to take the high road. I think they do. And I think they're shocked when they realize that the high road is full of lots of bandits and car wrecks and gravel and potholes. And they're just like, I don't know if I can keep driving up here. And so they start to take the low road out of a sense of relief. And the high road requires you to do quite a bit of work. You mm -hmm. cannot take the high road by willing yourself and by forcing yourself to take the high road. You have to do the work to get there in a genuine way. So for example, when it comes to your former partner, what I often encourage people to do is to start a gratitude practice for your mm -hmm. former partner. This does not fly easily for a lot of people. They don't like that. They don't want to have gratitude for their former partner, especially if their former partner was the one initiating the divorce. Right. But when we do that, we start to develop a new perspective on our former partner. When we do that, we start to see what it is they bring in terms of assets to the relationship going forward. And we start to be able to focus only on those assets rather than on everything they have failed to do, not only in our marriage, but now in our divorce. That is how you take the high road. You have got to come into a genuine new relationship with your former partner that is not based on blame and fail, but based on assets and strength. 
Wow. And, you know, if people could really do that, um, divorce would probably move a whole heck of a lot faster. Yeah, but we're <laughs> we're married. After we, when we start to get divorced, we get married to our story instead. And we right. get married to our ego. And, right. and we want the story to look a certain way and sound a certain way. And so giving any sort of uh, honor or respect or regard for our former partner makes us feel like our story's being threatened. And so it's it's very natural response not to do that. And I'm not saying it's an easy practice right. to do the gratitudes. When I did it myself, my very first gratitude was, I'm really grateful he's not here right now. Okay, so we start at the very lowest. <laughs> well, that might be where yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm um yeah, I mean, I'm I'm finally hitting that mark, I guess 6 months out where um yeah, I'm able to you know, see some things a little more clear and um and not blunt, you know, yeah, just not make him the ogre of the universe, you know. And, um, but it goes back to, again, I mean, we have to do the work and, and like you said, even by doing gratitude for them, that's really helping us because if we can get out of that, um, energy of, um, you know, when you talk about someone all the time or when you're frustrated with them all the time, I mean, all that does is take your energy out. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows the line, what, what we focus on expands. Mm-hmm. And so if you focus on their failings, how they failed you, what they're responsible for, that will get bigger and it will be the only thing you see. If you start to focus on, okay, what could work? What's possible? Could I stretch here? Could I grow here? That's the thing that expands. And that's the thing we most want to have expand in our lives. Right. And, and certainly it benefits the children if they're involved. <laughs> If there are children 200%. involved. Because <laughs> yes. I, and, and, you know, I always go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I don't have younger children, so that's not something that I focus on a lot. But you talk about that a lot in the book. So I would like for our viewers to know that, yeah, there's a lot of although I didn't focus so much on that. But there are there's so much you talk about in um, in the book about, you know, of course, why why we would do the work obviously is also not just about us, but for our children. Right. And and why we do the work to get to that genuine place. I think that's the thing that people forget to do when they say, well, I'm just going to not talk bad about my former partner. I'm just going to make sure that I get along with him or her in front of the kids. And there's, you can feel the sort of just squeezed, compressed experience of life that happens when people are doing that. That doesn't go the long haul, right? You've got decades after you get divorced, typically, to be in a post-divorce relationship. You've got to figure out something more genuine. And gratitude is what starts to just sort of clip away at some of that armor that we have against our former partner and try to create a new softness. Again, that's really based on what can I count on going forward? Not what can I count on in terms of my disappointments in them, but what can I count on in terms of what they do bring to the table and to the family as we move forward? Yeah, I think that's a really big one. It's a a hard one, but I I think it it can move people way down the road. So... um, So what would be um, the second piece? So our second one is own your own part. This is the one that most people don't want to do. No, but you know what? I'm just, I did did a solo podcast uh, not long ago, and um, uh, it hasn't aired yet, but it was me recognizing that I was finally getting to the point where I could look back and see, um, you know, my, my side of the fence and, um, you know, there's, there's big healing in that all the way around too. So say more about that. There, There is. And I think when we own our own part, it helps us in so many different ways, but the hard part is we're afraid to own our own part. And part of that is fear that we don't think we'll like what we see, but also that if we own our own part, then we're saying we're the reason we got divorced. And we don't want that to be true. The reason we're divorced is this other person is less than. Well, and, and we, we can't be right. Part, we think we're going to lose that. 
right. We, yeah, we can't be right anymore. You know? <laughs> yes. And so it's a it's a careful you have to sort of sneak up on this idea for certain people. You have to sneak up on this idea of owning your own part. And one of the ways that you can do that is by thinking through who was I in this relationship that is now ending? Who, what did I offer? What do I absolutely love about who I was in this relationship? What do I want to make sure without a doubt in my next relationship, five or 10 years from now, I will still want to be offering. Mm -hmm. That is a good starting place so that you can then ask the reverse question of, and what are the things that I was offering or withholding from this relationship that I don't want to have be a part of a future relationship? That's where the meat is. That's where you can start going, oh, that thing I've been not offering or offering and I shouldn't have been, that's the part I need to own, that I did not make this easier because I had contempt for my former partner and I didn't respect him or her. I was critical. I stonewalled them and didn't actually have a conversation when they wanted to. Whatever that was, I was codependent identify those things, write them down. It's not for the reason of marching all over town and telling everybody how you were responsible for your divorce. It's so that you get clear on what you need to grow in, handle, address with whatever kind of support you need so that you don't do this again. The reason that second marriages have a higher divorce rate is because people don't do that evaluation. When you do that evaluation, you are protecting that future relationship and giving roots to it that you don't even realize when you're doing it. Well, I know, you know, because we hear so often, and it happened with me as well. Um, if you don't do the work, uh, this is a Southern uh, ism. I don't know if you've ever heard same doll, different dress. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, some yeah. of the, because I had not done the work, I ended up with someone, you know, very similar. And um, so, yeah, I think doing that's real important. Now, you're, you also coach clients, you're a divorce coach. So, you know, that can be, you know, a pretty hard pill to swallow. So when we're talking about this particular um, doing this to help ourselves move forward, if you've got a client that's really struggling with that, how would you... How would you work with that? Well, I think first to just acknowledge where they are on the path. I, I personally was a person who had a hard time owning my own part for a long time. I was scared to do it. I felt like I was going to lose all my footing if I did it. So to me, exercising some caution, some patience, and honestly, a lot of grace around it, I think is a great starting place. But after that, it really does dial into being able to sort of illuminate for my clients the kinds of relationships that are impacted by your failure to own your own part. It affects your relationship with yourself, which we've already talked about. It affects your relationship with your kids. And if you have kids, whether small or grown, that's sacred ground that you do not want to be impacting them because of how you failed to own your own part. When you don't own your own part, you spend a lot of time in blame. When you spend a lot of time in blame, you isolate your children from yourself because they see you being immature and not being able to own your own part. It also impacts your relationship with your former partner, which as you know, we get divorced, but we keep these people in our lives. We might change addresses and table settings, but we still tend to have to need to interact again in the future. And then finally, the relationship that you have with your future partner. Our lives and the satisfaction in our lives is largely revolving around our relationships and the sense of health that we have in them. When you don't own your own part, you compromise those relationships. And so divorce coaching is sort of the art of gently walking up to people and helping them make a values-based choice to start to do some of that work. And and frankly, I don't get a lot of resistance around it as a result. That's good. You know, it's interesting you just mentioned yeah. the word value because um, the, uh, the last guest, we were talking about um, really uh, really going deep into our core values you know, and reevaluating, um, you know, like you were saying, you know, what are the things that I really want to, how do I really want to be, um, you know, what makes me happiest, what makes me feel the best about myself. So, yeah, I think that whole piece around values is, um, is really great. I'm not sure where it was in the book, but um, the book is also very funny. And, um I remember um, uh, one part in there, and I don't remember which uh, 
which point you were on, but it, it was about Chris, the first Christmas just being a disaster. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's a nice word for it. Yes. And I think we have a lot of those first that are kind of, because my, you know, I, I had only been separated a month or something. Um, uh, when, uh, uh, you know, Christmas was rolling around, and and then on top of that, I ended up having a heart attack three days before Christmas. Oh, so heavens. I mean, it's it's a good. I'm good. I'm fine now, and it's a good thing I can laugh about it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, talk about a lousy Christmas. I mean, it yeah. was. Um, but there were uh, there were there was still lots of humor in there, and I think it's really good to to try to find it, don't you? Yeah. And, and, you know, I think holidays just have a way of really, most of our holidays are designed around the coming together of family. And so when you're a person who's now experiencing a fracture in your sense of family, holidays have this very heightened sense of dread and fear and whatever. And so I think we bring to that sort of bring to our holidays a rigidity that then sort of creates these comic breaks because life can't handle how stiff we are. <laughs> and in my case, you know, the Christmas I had, the the electricity went out on Christmas Eve as I am sitting alone with my kids, attempting to bargain with my gas fireplace to keep us warm through a <laughs> Michigan winter night. And we didn't. We had to pack up all the gifts, go to a friend's house, and it ended up being a great story. But, but the amount of dread that I brought to the month of December was exhausting. And so how we handle holidays and first in particular is we don't know what it looks like. We're scared of what it looks like. And frankly, we don't want to live in what it looks like. We want the old thing that we had. So how we make space for the new thing is again, where all the work is. Yeah, I so agree because I, and, and as you're saying that, I mean, you know, who knows some of all that dread and stress and, the first Christmas and it being so soon could have been part of all that that happened with me, you know. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, so th so the third part, um, uh, the new triangle, isn't that what the third part is called? Is that right? Did the, I get it the right? The third part is actually fighting, fighting for gratitude. But we can talk about the triangle if you want to talk about it. Oh, oh, uh, well, well, no. I'd rather you go through the points, and I'll come back to that. Okay, okay, sure. Fighting for gratitude is, is sort of a, around a lot of what we've already been talking about. Is how do we work to create a post-divorce life that is rooted in what is working and what I can help make work when we approach our post-divorce life from the position of it shouldn't be this way and it can't be this way, we paralyze our, our creative mind, right? There's a, there's a trauma, I think, that happens for people going through divorce. And I, I don't want to sort of misuse that word because it's obviously a very powerful wor word and there are traumas far bigger than divorce. But I do believe divorce is a form of trauma. And what we know about trauma is it keeps us from being able to have an imagination, when we don't have an imagination, that's when we close down and we get really scared and we're not able to walk into the new life that's being held out to us. And so gratitude is one of those things that starts to create the space for that imaginative way of thinking. Wait, if I can look at this and be grateful for this, then that means my creativity can start around how I'm going to work with this and not against this. Right, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and I think... Um, you know, the actual practice of gratitude. I mean, I think we, we've thrown that word around a lot for a lot of years, yes. but the actual energy of it um, can totally change a situation. I think it's incredibly powerful. You know, um, yeah. I, I think I, you know, I heard something one time, you know, you, you can't be in the crapper and in gratitude at the same time, you know. So <laughs> Yeah, and, and the trick to me is really do not do well i'm grateful for my family i'm grateful for my friends i'm grateful for my home that's not gratitude. right that's right. just being lazy yeah. right we need to get specific we need to get granular we need to get really focused on our experience of life and our experience of our former partner and our experience of our kids and whatever it is so that we can start to create what is useful good and right for us moving forward instead of constantly looking backwards going i wish i had that right right 
And so then um, uh, one thing I did want to talk about also, and I don't know if this is number four or not, I wrote it down, change versus transition. Yes, that's one of my favorite concepts to talk about with people because we throw those words around interchangeably, like I'm going through a lot of changes, I'm just going through a lot of transition. And William Bridges does a great job of describing that change is something that is external to you. It happens to you. You get a divorce, you move into an apartment, you, you know, buy a new couch, you, whatever the situation is, it's happening outside of you. Transition is the inner reorientation that it takes to incorporate that change. Mm -hmm. So you can have a lot of changes go on outside of you where you change jobs and you get divorced and you move homes and you don't transition into any of them because you don't go through the inner work that it takes to really inhabit that change as a new and somewhat welcome part of your life. Mm -hmm. And so the goal in divorce, obviously, is to transition well. But in order to do that, you have got to focus your efforts on how do I make these changes more an incorporated part of my future rather than being these external things that I sort of war against and fight against. Right. Well, you know, it makes me think about when you say it like that. I mean, I moved and I've moved, of course, but I mean, I still have so many things in boxes, and I haven't put all my pictures up and I haven't made the full right. transition, you know, and, yeah. and I know it's, it, it, it's, and it takes time, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'm looking forward to, to getting to the transition part, <laughs> not just the change. Yeah. Part. And, and being able to just even identify, okay, a change has happened. And I want to give myself some time to go through the transition that's necessary to incorporate, even setting out an intention that I want to incorporate this change, because we've all met people who have had a lot of changes happen to them, and they have not bothered to transition through them, and they are stuck. Right. And it's obvious. And when you get in the corner with them at a cocktail party, you know exactly what you're going to be talking about. Yeah. We don't want to be those people. So how do we welcome the transition or the process, really, of transition as yeah. we go? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I even like that word transition. I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's really powerful. Um, so, so did we get to the, what was the fourth one? So did we get to well, the last one is really just saying yes. And I, I say that yes is not a four letter word. And part of what <laughs> this is, is sort of the, the big, the big picture of how do I say yes to a life I didn't expect? Oh, because our approach, oh my goodness, go say, say that one more not. time, Andrea, for our for our <laughs> listeners. That's really good. How to say yes to a life we didn't expect, That's and really that was a good. huge struggle for me. My no was so strong. I mean, it was gigantic, and it didn't serve me. It didn't work for me. The no only pushed me against the changes and definitely shut the door to any transition I was trying to make. And so when we can align ourselves and find even just the smallest part of what's happening that we can say yes to, the, the, the universe, God, creation meets us and starts getting creative with us. And so we, we move away from the resistance that causes more suffering added on to our pain and start looking at how can I align with this? How can mm -hmm. I say yes? Okay. It appears that I'm getting a new address. Now it, what? It's the what whole acceptance here thing. To create newness. Oh my gosh. And acceptance is the hardest thing in the world. We, we search for it like crazy and it does come to us, but we have to pursue it and we pursue it in these tiny little pieces as we go. Like I'll accept that today's a day and I'm going to live this day at this address with these boxes on the floor. Okay. Tomorrow I'm going to accept that I'm going to live at this address and I'm going to undo one box on the floor. And all of a sudden we enter into a very open space, but we want acceptance right now. We want it right now. That's true. <laughs> but we get to it by all these little steps of transition. Right. You know, I had, um, I had gone somewhere the other day and I, I came back home and, you know, I, I still felt so um, not connected. And I had to, you know, remind myself, okay, this is my sofa, <laughs> you know, this is my chair, right. this yeah. is my, you know, yes. um, yeah, the acceptance piece. And I'm sure it just takes as long as it takes and it's different for everyone, just like 
the whole process is. It I does. Guess. It, but, but part of that is being able to at some point sit down and really put yourself 10 years out, be kind to yourself, give yourself 10 years in 10 years with my circumstances, the way they are, how could I imagine a life that I love? What would my ideal day look like if I were 10 years out and I was healed from this and I was moving in a direction that felt really great? When we can start to see that, we can start to reverse engineer some of our steps now that will get us to that place. And we don't just outline like, well, I want to live at this address or I want to have this kind of hair. It's more, here's how I want to feel. Yeah. I want to feel free. I want to feel rooted. I want to feel connected to my community, whatever those things are, mm-hmm. get clear on what they are. And then ask yourself, what do I do today to get me 1% closer to that goal? What help do I need? Whether it's therapy, coaching, a trainer in order to get me to that goal. Right. And then ask yourself, what are the obstacles in me that will keep me from getting to that goal? That's a great way to approach your absolutely every day. Where do I want to be? And then ask those three questions around it and then do it again the next day. I love that. So is it you're 10 years out? So is it or or somewhere around there? So is it better yeah. than you expected? Way better. Way better. <laughs> I did not want a divorce. I didn't want a divorce. And I didn't want life after divorce. And the truth is, I really love the life that I've been able to create for myself as I have incorporated the changes of my life and transitioned well into them as I have sought to create a beautiful two address family for my kids to live in as my own heart over time has been able to soften that it shouldn't be this way and going, well, if it is this way, how would I want it to look Mm -hmm. and starting to be a creator instead of a reactor starting to be a creator. Oh, that's good. I have, right? Been able to create more of what I want in my life. But for the longest time I ruminated, I was stuck. I was sitting still. I was you were like, on the no, sofa. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah. The sofa, the bed, anything. There yeah. was, I, I was coping in ways that were largely unhealthy. And any of your listeners that are doing that right now, it's normal. It is normal to overeat, undereat, overdrink, watch too much TV, shop too much, spend too much money, all of that is normal. Everybody going through divorce goes through some rails off type of experience. Just know that it's temporary. It's not a long-term strategy. At some point, you're going to need to face the fact that life is moving on and it would like for you to join them and start to become an active participant in that. Don't. Maybe the divorce happens to you, but the rest of your life can be made by you. Don't forget that. Oh, that's so good. And and what you said about being um, a creator versus a reactor. I'm going to be, that's going to be on a sticky note somewhere um, with all the rest of them <laughs> in my house. Well, it's interesting that the, the words creator and reactor, same letters, they've just been rearranged in different orders. So really? Can, you, you, exactly. I have to yes, write that down. I did not know that. <laughs> Creator and reactor. Oh my goodness, that that that'll be something that I can totally look at. Um, right, and so as things are happening to you, you can even narrate that for yourself. My reactive state wants to do this: be upset, get a glass of wine, and cry on the couch. My creator's person, the creative part of me, wants to go. But what if I did this? What mm-hmm. if I took a walk right now instead of the glass of wine? What if I opened that box and unpacked it instead of that? What if I? What if I? What if I? What if I is the question of the creator? The reactor isn't thinking. It's just yeah. spider plating into a corner of the couch. It goes back to, don't you think the cre- the creator is more about questions and maybe the reactor is statements? I don't know. That's just came out of nowhere. But. I think that's a great way to look at <laughs> yeah. it. I think that's a great way to look at it because in order to go on the journey, you've got to be curious. Mm-hmm. And most of us aren't curious after divorce. We're just like, no. This is all side B of the record. This is all act two and not the best part of the show. And and all the characters are changing and nobody wants to come see this film anymore. Well, yeah, the way you're telling it, they don't. Exactly. (laughs) But what if you could create something that actually is just as beautiful as the first act and just as meaningful and bring in the right characters and players to help support you to do that? 
Well, um, I've kept you really long, but I do have to ask you one more thing, and, and if you would just share this, because I think it's um, so beautiful, and I've heard the story before. Um, I haven't heard it in a long time, so it was lovely to read it in your book, but you talked about um, the, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it K-I-N-T-S-U-G? I? Oh, Kent Sugi. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Kent yeah. Can you can you just share with the the listeners about that? Absolutely. Yes. It's on the cover of my book. Is this uh, Jap Japanese? Oh, I didn't even realize art, that. Essentially, because I didn't yes. have the book. I didn't realize it was on the book. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm going to have to order the it book, is. Andrea. <laughs> you are. Uh, anyway, it, the the Kintsugi is designed around taking broken ceramic pieces and putting them back together. So let's say it's a broken vase or a broken plate and it's put back together using gold. Mm -hmm. And as a result, the repaired piece is far more valuable than the original piece was before it breaks. And so the, the kind of divorce coaching that I do with people is really how do we lay gold in these cracks so that we are creating the thing we want to create that will be more valuable and that people will admire us and 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 honor the fact that these scars that are a part of our life now created something rather this became this, this broken piece of our life so I'm, I'm very drawn to that image and uh, in fact have it in my office and uh, always love to come back to it because I do feel like even in my own life the gold that got laid is really I, I, I wouldn't give anything for who I am now I didn't want to go through a divorce, but I really do enjoy the life I'm living now far better on this side of divorce because of what I learned and who I became. And that's, right. that's a hard truth for me to admit, right? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want the divorce, but it's true. And, and it's because of that careful gold placement that happens with Kintsugi. Right. Well, I love that. And um, as one of my teachers used to say, I studied under Debbie Ford. I'm not sure if you know her, um, but yeah. she used to talk about, you know, you, you, you find the gold in the dark, um, or it can be found in the dark a lot. So, um, well, I just yeah. thank you so much. I, I can't believe I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've kept her so long. <laughs> we could go on forever. <laughs> I, I hope you'll come back. I mean, there's so much more to of say. Course. And um, But I do want, um, please let people know how they can find you. And I know that, you know, you're, you're coaching people. So if you want to speak about that and, you know, how that works and how people can find you. Sure. Yes, I have a website, andreahipsdivorcecoach.com. There's two P's in hips, andreahipsdivorcecoach.com. And on there, you will find all manner of things. I am speaking regularly on Instagram and Facebook. That's a great way to get free support. You can also, on my website, sign up for my free weekly email where I'm giving people guardrails on how to create, become creators, not reactors. Love that. And I Are also you hearing have on this? There <laughs> And then I also have a free 18-page, uh, I think, communication guide for how to talk with a difficult, how to communicate with a difficult partner. So grab that. Wow. You can also buy the book on the website. And there's just a lot of, all my podcasts are on there and other uh, media that I've done. Just, I... I encourage people to visit it, not because I need you to visit it, but because I remember the days when I was going through divorce and I wanted to get my hands on something that got me somewhere. And I'm trying to create and produce material. I have a, a weekly blog on there that will do that for other people the way it was for me when I was going through it. So this is just yeah. my way to give back to people. I also do coaching. You can schedule a, a complimentary 30 minute strategy call on my website, I would be happy to talk with anyone who is struggling. We come up with strategies. We, I have uh, six session packages where we really get you sort of um, cleaned up and put back out in order to handle your divorce in the way that you hope to. I love that. I may be calling you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, um, we'll make sure and put that in the show notes so people can find you. And and I will say, I mean, one of the reasons I was drawn to you is because, you know, on some days when I'm having a rough one and I come across something that you're saying on Instagram, you know, it lifts me up or makes me think about something different. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you're doing um, for us 
people who are really struggling through this process. So you well, are you, and, you and are I a gym. <laughs> well, you're so kind, but I can tell that you are doing the hard work to really uh, uncover the parts that really want to bloom and flourish in this darkest time of your life. So it is an honor for me to connect with somebody like you who's really willing to uh, try to walk the path in a way that lifts rather than mm -hmm. destroys. And so I, it's been a real honor to be here with you. Thank you for that. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking again. <laughs> sure. So, all right. That. Well, thanks so much for being here. And um, we're going to go to break now. And when we come back, you know what time it is. It is golden toolbox time. So we'll be back in a moment. This episode of The Golden's Guide to Divorce is proudly brought to you by Franny's Pharmacy of Greenville, a leading seed-to-shelf hemp and CBD brand. From tinctures to topicals and everything in between, Franny's Pharmacy Greenville is the most curated and thoughtfully stocked CBD dispensary in the Southeast. Whether you're shopping in-store or online, rest assured they only bring you the best of the best. Check out Greenville.com today and enjoy free shipping. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're talking about the golden tool today, and um, today I want to talk about one of my mentors, um, Debbie Ford. I actually studied under her for three years. Amazing, amazing woman. She's written so many books. Um, one book in particular that I love and that you might want to look at is called Spiritual Divorce. This one, however, is called The Right questions, 10 essential questions to guide you to an extraordinary life. And so the tool that I like to use um, a lot of times, she, she writes in the book about these 10 questions. And I think that, you know, I know I've talked about this before, that statements don't really get us anywhere. But if we ask ourselves questions, then that can take us deeper into ourselves and what we're really thinking about and maybe where we want to be, where we want to go. So I'm going to read these 10 questions, and I highly suggest you can jot them down or I can put them in the show notes, but I think they're so helpful to look at these questions when we're at um, big crossroads or when we're dealing with a challenge, okay? So, um, again, you know, why, why questions versus statements? I think it's because we'll get answers. A statement is a statement. A question, you may, something may come out or come to you that you've not thought about before. All right, so the first question is, Will this choice propel me toward an inspiring future or will it keep me stuck in the past? That's a good one. The second one is, will this choice bring me long-term fulfillment or will it bring me short-term gratification? And, you know, when we're making big choices, asking these kind of questions can be super important, especially at these crossroads. This is a really good one, too. Am I standing in my power or am I trying to please another? And, you know, um, just recently on one of our episodes, we talked about, you know, being a people pleaser and the problems that comes along with that. So I love that one. Am I standing in my own power or am I trying to please another? Am I looking for what's right or am I looking for what's wrong? That is a biggie too. They're all big. Will this choice add to my life energy? Um, um, excuse me. Will this choice add to my life force or will it rob me of my energy? Again, just incredible. Will I use this situation as a catalyst to grow and evolve or will I use it to beat myself up? And boy, that is one I think you should write down and put up on a sticky note because um, there are situations all day, every day, I think when we're moving through a divorce where we're beating ourselves up. And that's just a good reminder. And how can we use that situation? I mean, those are really good questions. How can I use this situation right now where I normally beat myself up, 
how can I use it as a way to help me grow or think differently or move beyond the problem? Does this uh, choice empower me or disempower me? This is a good one. Is this an act of self-love or is it an act of self-sabotage? Woo! Is this an act of faith or is it an act of fear? Isn't that good? Because, you know, a lot of times we're just making decisions and we don't even realize we're making it out of fear. So that might be one of my favorites. And then the last one, am I choosing from my divinity or am I choosing from my humanity? Now, let me explain that one. You know, when we choose from our divinity, we're choosing from the highest place in ourself, you know, where our values are, we're really aligned with our core values and we're making that choice, not just for us, but for others, for the good of all, really. And sometimes we choose from our humanity, which is more like our personality, which just wants what it wants. So um, that's a really good one. That's, the, that's number 10. Am I choosing from my divinity or my humanity? And the whole book is really fabulous. But these questions, if you just worked with these questions, this could be one of the greatest tools ever. So I highly recommend The Right Questions by Debbie Ford, anything by Debbie Ford. She's passed on now, but um, wow, what a teacher, what a teacher. Um. Okay, guys, um, moving on to my final thoughts for the show. Um, You know, speaking of Debbie Ford, when I trained under her, we did some really interesting work. Um, I trained under her as an integrative coach. And, you know, we've been talking about being authentic. And um, there was one exercise she had us do. And we had all arrived in San Diego. We were, there was about 100 of us in this coaching program. And her job was always trying to push us to get over ourselves. So the exercise was we were all sitting in this big auditorium, and the exercise was there were songs that they were going to play, and we had to sing karaoke. Now, I was ter- number one, I'm not a singer. Um, I was terrified. I was the only Southerner. I mean, there were people from all over the world. Um, Alanis Morissette was even in my coaching group. Not that she needed coaching. She just wanted to go through the process. But I was so embarrassed and so terrified. And um, But the whole point in doing this exercise was to get up there in front of people you didn't know sing a song and um, get over yourself, you know? I mean, that's part of being authentic. Well, they picked out they picked out the songs for the people. We didn't get to choose. Um, so, you know, like my girlfriend beside me, she got New York, New York, and this other guy got like um, sexual healing, you know, and... Some of you will not even know this song. It's so old and it's so country, but it's called Delta Dawn, and it's very Southern. And when I was called up on stage, already people were looking at me about with my accent, being Southern, and I had to sing Delta Dawn. I was mortified. <laughs> but eventually I got through it, and... I was able to laugh at myself, you know, and in the end, I mean, that's what we're talking about is being authentic. You know, I'm Southern. I'm that's who I am. You know, I have an accent. That's who I am. And, you know, I think the more we can just accept ourselves and get over ourselves and just be who we are. Other people need that. Other people appreciate that. Other people, then it gives other people permission to be authentic too. So anyway, that was a hilarious. There's a lot of us that laugh about that story. And so in the meantime, 
to wrap all this up, thank you so much for being here. Thank you to Pronk Studios for making me the happiest girl when I'm here. Um, please let me know how I'm doing. Please let me know how the tools are working. Please let me know your tools. Please let me know where you are on the journey. And, you know, in the meantime, as always, you know, I'm Southern. I'm changing. I'm getting better every day. I'm getting stronger every day. And you know what I always say is, and I'm still here. So until next time. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of The Golden's Guide to Divorce. And if you at home happen to be going through one, do us both a favor. Stand up and declare, I am here. We'll see you next time.